Father, it is overwhelming. God, your grace. God, how your grace rains down on us in spite of who we are, God. You take control, God. And what is more amazing than the fact that you save us in the midst of of who we are and how awful and nasty our lives are, God, it's the fact that you use us to bring you glory. God, you use the transformation that happens in our lives, God, to impact other people and to show them that there is hope for them as well. If there's hope for us, God, there's hope for them. So, God, sometimes it looks like we know. Sometimes it looks like we're so ill-equipped, God, to give you glory. But that's exactly what gives you glory, is the fact that we're ill-equipped to give you glory. And, God, I praise your name for that fact. God, that the fact that the place that we're in, the fact that you can transform us and make us new, like we just sang about, God, that, that that's the reason. That's the reason that you're glorified is because that shows how magnificent you are and how bountiful your grace is. God, so we praise your name for that. God, as we look at your word right now, I pray that we are transformed by it through the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that, God, as people go through this week, I pray that the words that are spoken here today, God, would penetrate their hearts in such a way that it would mull over in their mind throughout the week, God, and they would think about the things that they've heard in this place, God, and that they would use those things to bring you glory. God, thank you so much for allowing us to hear from you. I pray that we tune in right now to your voice and to your voice alone. I pray that nobody hears me, but they only hear the voice of Jesus Christ speaking directly to their hearts. God, you speak. Lord, may you be made big. God, I pray this in Jesus' name, our King. Amen. You can be seated. I feel weird. Everybody's like, oh, great. What does that mean? I feel weird. I don't know if it's a Sudafed and the Mucinex, but I feel weird, okay? Everybody's like, yeah, who, who else is struggling with allergies this time of year? I am really struggling, so if I'm crying, it may be the Holy Spirit moving on me, or it may be the pollen. I'm not sure which, but, but uh, it, it'll probably be obvious because I'll probably be face down on, on, on the altar if it's, if it's because the Holy Spirit is convicting me. But uh, I, I, am, I am like, I, I don't know. I, something's going on with me. But I, I feel like I just need to jump in and start telling you what God has on my heart. And, and I don't know how long or how short it's going to be. I just feel like I need to just tell you this. You, do you ever feel ill-equipped to, to do what God's called you to do? I, I know this, everybody's like, well, I've heard this message before, you know. Uh, if God's called you to it, he's going to equip you for it, that kind of thing, you know. God doesn't call you and, and expecting you to already be prepared to be able to go out and do it. You ever think about the fact that you're ill-equipped may actually be the thing that God is going to use to minister to somebody? The fact that you feel ill-equipped, to feel like that, that I can't do this, that... that, that I'm too messed up, I'm too far gone for God to use me for this purpose, that that may be exactly what God needs in order to be able to use you for his purpose. Have you ever thought about that? I can remember, I'll just tell you just a quick testimony, I guess, about me and my life, man. I I, I wasn't a regular church attender. I really wasn't. I I sucked as a a church member. I really did. Um, I, I, I... I knew that God was speaking to me, like, but I kind of refused to listen a little bit. You know, I, I, I could hear what he was saying, but I didn't really pay attention. I, I knew it was there, and I knew kind of what he was trying to show me, and I knew that I was supposed to tell other people, as a matter of fact. That was what was weird. Is, you know, I, 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 
I, I remember specifically, there's something about cutting the grass. That, that there's, I don't know what it is about that holy time where you're able to, to just commune with God. I don't know what it is about cutting the grass, but for whatever reason, God speaks to me when I cut the grass. So I can remember even before ministry, before, I mean, like I really wasn't a faithful church attender. And, and I can remember God speaking to me and me listening to God and be like, you know what? If I were going to tell people about God, here's what I would tell them. If I, if I had something, I, I could stand up in front of a whole bunch of people and tell them about God. Here's what I would tell them. Now, some people would call that a sermon. I didn't realize that's what it was at the time because I thought there is no way that God could use me this guy that, that is ill-equipped, and, and I'm not even a faithful church attender. There's no way that God could use me to be able to reach people, to be able to preach his word. That's, that's not what God's calling me to do. And I, I would like, I, as time would go on, man, I, it's just like I could hear it louder and louder and louder in, the, in, in my ears. You know, it's like God just telling me these things, you know, that I was supposed to tell other people. I know that sounds crazy, but that's literally what happened to me. And then there was just this time in my life. I, I don't know what you call I don't know if you'd call it an awakening or what you would say, but there was just this time in my life where I decided to start listening to God more and, and start just tuning into his voice and stop listening to my own voice. And, and I got to thinking about the things of God and how, you know, God uses people. And I, I began to think about the Bible and how over and over and over again, it's like these ill-equipped, stupid people get used for God's glory. And I'm like, you know what? That could very well be me. That could be exactly what's going on in my life. Because I feel ill-equipped, because I feel incapable, that could be that, that God is saying, yes, exactly. I want to use that in order for, for me to reach other people with that message. If people see that transformation in, in you, maybe they'll, they'll go, you know what? If that stupid guy that, that just you know, ignored God's voice when he was out there cutting the grass and God was giving him sermons, you know, if that stupid guy can stand up here in front of 200 people Sundays and Wednesdays and tell, God, tell people about how good God is and how glorious he is and tell them just what the Bible says about how good God is, maybe, maybe I can do that too. Maybe. Maybe. The only thing I can tell you to do is to listen to him, stop listening to you. That, that's really, literally the only thing I can tell you to do. Stop listening to you and start listening to him. And think about the fact that though I may feel ill-equipped, that may be exactly what God is going to use in order to equip me, in order for me to reach people. I, I mean, you know that God doesn't have to use us, right? I, I mean, literally, if, 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 if the preachers and, and it just remains silent. The, 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 even the, the Bible tells us that even the stones would cry out and tell about the glory of God. That you could try to silence Jesus. You could try to silence his disciples. It doesn't matter. Even the stones would cry out. God doesn't have to use us. But he chooses to. That's what's so amazing to me. Why would he choose to use us? You know what's, what's so cool about it, man? What is so absolutely astounding about God it's, it's the way he, he, he transforms somebody in order to be able to transform somebody else. 
You ever looked at how good God is in that regard? The, the, these crazy disciples, man, these people that followed around Jesus all the time, uh, how, how messed up they were, and God transformed them. And then, and then because of that, man, we're still 2,000 years later talking about Jesus and talking about how good he is and talking about some of the things that the disciples were doing and, and how they, they were able to, to see God manifest in people's lives and people's lives changed and the, the church growing. And here we are 2,000 years later still talking about it. Jonah. We're in the book of Jonah. We're in this series called Saved Alone, and I got to thinking about Jonah. And Jonah's an idiot, right? He's a racist because he doesn't like the Assyrians. God's called him to go and, and preach repentance to the Assyrians, telling him he got to turn back towards God or he's going to destroy them all. And Jonah's stupid. He gets on a boat. He tries to get away from God. It doesn't work. Waves come. Winds come. The ship is sinking. It's not good. It's a bad day for Jonah. And these, instead of turning towards God and repenting and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, he looks at the sailors, he says, just throw me into the ocean, just kill me, I'd rather be dead than I had to obey God. So not only is he a racist, he's incredibly disobedient to God, he'd rather commit suicide than he had follow God. I mean, like, you know, you think you're real equipped, you think that you've, you've done some bad stuff to go against God. Here's the guy who says, I'd rather be dead than I had follow God in God's direction for my life. So here is a man who, he, he, he gets thrown into the ocean. He tells everybody, he says, just, just throw me into the ocean, and these waves will stop. And, and these sailors, they finally agree. At first, they try not to. They try to save him. They try to row harder and, and try to lighten the ship and all this kind of stuff to try to keep Jonah on board. And they say, finally, dude, you got to go over. Sorry. We love you. Hopefully, uh, your God won't hold this against us. And they actually cry out to his God for mercy and all this kind of stuff. He goes into the ocean, and Jonah's in there, and he gets swallowed up by a fish. It says this in, in Jonah chapter 2 where, where he prays to God and he basically repents to God. He repents. He says, okay, God, I, I, I see where I was. I see the lonely, empty place that I was in. And you rescued me. You saved me in this place. I want you to think about something for a second. Is it possible that God was using Jonah's disobedience and his repentance to preach to a bunch of disobedient people about repentance. Is that possible? Who would be better equipped to preach repentance than somebody who had just repented? Am I right? Think about that. Then think about the fact that Jonah had just been in the belly of a fish and he had just repented and turned towards back, back toward God isn't that the best equipped person to preach repentance to a bunch of unrepentant people? To tell them, you know what, I know what it's like to be in the pits of hell. And, and Jonah calls it in chapter 2, he calls it Sheol. He calls it basically hell. I know what it's like to be in hell for three days. You don't want to be there. It's not a pleasant place. It's not some place you want to be. Let me tell you something. You need to repent and turn back towards God. Jonah was the best equipped person to preach repentance. And he thought he was the most ill-equipped he had just repented and turned back towards God. And because of that, God said, I'm going to use you, sir. You were going to go repent, re preach repentance to a bunch of people that don't want to hear about it. There's some commentators that say that <laughs> because he had been in the fish for three days, they think that all the stomach acid from the fish had, had made his skin almost white, like kind of eating his skin. I don't know if that's true. We got no evidence of that in the Bible. But can you imagine this dude with solid white skin showing up preaching repentance to a bunch of people? Everybody would be like, hey, I don't know if y'all heard, there's a ghost from Israel preaching repentance. You might want to hear that guy. 
You know what I mean? It's amazing. But God could use that, right? Like, dude's got white skin because the fish's stomach juices are like starting to wash him out and make him white. And God could use that. And I don't know if he did or not, but that's a pretty cool thought to think about a dude that's walking around with white skin, you know, going, you need to repent, turns back towards God. This word repentance, you don't hear it preached a lot. You really don't. I mean, uh, I, I will say that, that, that some of the guys I listen to, thank goodness, they, they preach it a lot. They preach repentance. And, and I, I think that people have to understand repentance in order to be able to, to, be, to put their faith in Christ, to, to, to really truly be saved. They have to really truly understand repentance and turning back towards God. You, you see, there's this desire in our lives to want to go one way. And we call that the flesh, our desire to, to fulfill all of our desires, the things that we want, all the things that we need. We, that, it's our way, what we want, our desires. That's, that's this, okay? And then there's this other way, which is, you know what? I don't care about this. All I care about is Jesus and his way and what God would have me to do. And that's what I care about most. And, and, and it's, it's not to say that sometimes you don't turn back and do this, and then you have to go back over here sometimes. But it is a general picture of your life. You're either walking one way or the other. So let's picture you're in the middle. You're either walking towards your desires and your flesh and the way you want things, or you're walking towards God, okay? You're either walking towards the things that, 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 that God wants and God desires for your life in order for you to give him glory, okay? Now, that, if the picture of your life is like this and you're walking towards God, that's not to say you don't make two steps forward and take one step back. Sometimes that happens, am I right? Sometimes, sometimes you take two steps forward and three steps back, right? But then you keep walking, and you're walking towards God, and, and the desire of your life is to please God and do what God has in store for you because he is number one in your life, and he has prominence in your life. You're still heading towards God. Sometimes you get pulled back towards the flesh, but you continue to head towards God. But there are some people, there are some people, we, we call them lost because their, their, their direction is all messed up. If, if you're not walking towards God, you're lost. If you're not walking towards what God would have for your life, then you're lost. Because I guarantee you, you start walking this way towards the flesh and what you desire and what you want and the things that you think you need, you wander all over the place. That's why we call it lost. Because you don't know which direction you're headed. When, when God's over here and you're headed towards Him, you at least got a clear path and a clear direction for your life. When you start following you, you wander all over the place looking and searching, let me find drugs or alcohol or, or sex or anything like that. To, and, and we call that lost. Because you're looking for something to fill that void. But when you're walking towards Christ and you're walking towards the things of God, then you've got a clear path, a clear direction. Yeah, sometimes we stumble and fall back this way, but more than anything else, we're headed towards God. And, and some people are like this. I mean, let me tell you, there, there's this thing where people do, they, they, they think that they're saved, so they're, they're like walking towards the flesh. But every once in a while, they turn back towards God and they give Him a quick glance, a quick look. And then they keep walking this way. I say, but I'm saved. You know, I gave a quick look to God. I kind of considered him for a minute. I prayed one time. I, you know, uh, but yes, indeed, the, the pattern of my life is towards myself and not towards God. But every once in a while, I stop for just a minute, and I turn back and give him a quick glance, and maybe I take a step, and then, no, that's not for me. I'm going to keep going this way. And they say, what do they say? They say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, Right? Repentance is this. Repentance is turning. 
Repentance is turning towards God and away from you. Repentance is, is a clear direction for your life. I am going towards God. It's a turning around. That's what repentance means, literally. Turning around. Going another direction. A brand new path for my life. That's the direction I'm going. It doesn't mean you'll never fall or stumble or even take a step back. But what it means is the path for your life is one place and it's toward God. That's what being a Christian is about. That's what being a Christ follower is about. That word follower, Christ follower, is about you're pursuing Christ. You're pursuing Christ. Who in this world is better equipped to preach that idea of turning around than a guy who had just turned around? He says, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to want to follow yourself. I know what it's like to want to do what you want to do. I get it. I was there, but I turned around and I saw God's glory. And I saw how good he is. And I saw how much grace he had for me. As a matter of fact, he chewed me up and spit me out in the belly of a fish so that I would turn back towards him. He did whatever it would take so that I would turn towards God. And that's what we see Jonah. This is where he is in Jonah chapter 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Oh, I am so good. I am so glad that God is so good because he gives us a second time. He preached to Jonah twice. He, he, pre he spoke to his heart twice. The first time, Jonah didn't get it. The second time, Jonah gets it. Whew. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on us? Aren't you glad that we get a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth time and, and, and God's still speaking. He's still trying to get you to wake up and, and smell the coffee, smell the roses. He's trying to get you to, to come on, let's, let's get on the boat. Let's, let's, let's understand what God has in store for us. And, and here we see Jonah. He gets a second chance. Whew, second chances, man. I love second chances. And he, he says, so the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. What did he say? Get up and go. We've heard this before. You remember what God said to, to Jonah the first time? He said, get up and go. Now, Jonah got up and went, but he went the wrong way. Uh, he, 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 it was God over here and, and, and Tarshish over here. And he said, I'm going this way. He got up and went, all right. He went the other way. But here, he's got a chance to get up and go again. This time, this time when God speaks, he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given to you this time. This time, this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. A huge city. This time, this is the day of salvation. This is the time right now where it's time for us to go and be with God and do what God has commanded, to obey God and, and, and consider the things of God and stop considering the things of the flesh. This time, Jonah goes to Nineveh. And for three days, man, it takes three days. It's so big. I mean, imagine the insurmountable task that must be set before Jonah. Oh, I, not only are the Assyrians nasty, awful, wicked people that want to kill me and chop me up into little bits and set me on fire. Not only that. Not only the fact that I'm an Israelite, a foreigner in their land. Not only that, but it's a huge city. Come on, God, give me a little city at least, you know. I mean, you'd be thinking, I just need a, a little tiny city, maybe about 30, 40 People, you know, and I just preach to them and they turn towards God. No, it's a huge city. I think it's so important, the fact that it was a big city. 
God didn't set before him an easy task. God doesn't set before you an easy task. God doesn't say, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) Starting a church, not an easy task. There's finances, there's there's sprinklers, there's all kinds of garbage that you got to know about, man. It's not necessarily an easy task, but God says, here it is. Three days to walk around it here. Go, do it. So Jonah, he did. He got up and went. It's so huge, it takes three, three days to walk across it. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. He's not a real good preacher. <laughs> what if I came in here and said, 40 days, we're all going to be destroyed. Everybody like, praise the Lord. Let's go to the altar and pray. He's not a long-winded preacher. I'll give him that. He says, the people of Nineveh believed God's message from the greatest to the least. They declared to fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. He goes and he preaches this message in Nineveh. It says, and the people of Nineveh believe God's message. This isn't Jonah's message. This is God's message. When you think you're ill-equipped, you're right. It's not your message. It's God's message. You're exactly right. You are ill-equipped because you're not supposed to preach your message. You're supposed to preach God's message. Your testimony about what has happened in your life, it is God's message. It is God's message to the other people around you about this is what God did in my life. This is what he can do in your life. It is God's message. The message belongs to him. And, and, and the, the disciples, when, when, when Jesus left, they were so concerned about, man, what are we going to say? I don't know if we can do all the things that, that Jesus did. And, and, and Jesus told them, it's like, you don't have to worry about it. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to say. You just say what God would have you to say. Same thing for us. You you don't know what to say. You say what God would have you to say. Now, this means you've got to be tuned into the Holy Spirit. You've got to be listening to what God would have you to say. Now, for me, I take this so incredibly personally. People that know me very well know how much I I think about this. You may notice sometimes when I'm preaching to you that that I'll, like, zone out or something like that. And it is not because I'm looking at, at some, something that's reflecting in the light or I'm watching my spit go out like that. That's not what's going on there. What's going on is I'm actually listening to the Holy Spirit as I'm preaching to you. Now, I don't say that boastfully. I don't, I don't say that because I'm like, well, God's speaking to me while I'm speaking to you, and that makes me better. I'm, I'm telling you, God is speaking to you all the time. Even when you're preaching God's message, you can be listening while you're speaking. I do this every single time I counsel with anybody. Uh, somebody will come to me, I need to talk to you, I've got this going on in my relationship, or I'm struggling with this addiction, or I'm, uh, and I don't know where to go with this, this particular thing in my life, and I, I'm struggling with where to go to college, or, or who to marry, or all this kind of stuff, and I go, and the whole time they're talking to me, all I'm doing is, I'm listening to them, and listening to God at the same time. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit is saying, say this. You, you don't have to say a lot, just, just say this. I, I, I promise you, That is what is going on. You you may think, man, Kenny's really insightful in some of the stuff that he says. I'm not. But I promise you God is. I promise you God knows exactly what your heart needs to hear. 
He knows exactly what you're struggling with. He knows exactly what your deepest fears and struggles are. He knows it all. Why would I sit there and rely on me to listen to your problems and me tell you how to fix them? Because I don't know. I don't have a clue, as a matter of fact, but I do know who does know. So I listen to him and not to me, and he's the one that gives you the answer. It's God's message. It's God's message. He says they put on, he said, from, from the least, from the greatest to the least. I love that. You would think it would say from the least to the greatest, wouldn't you? But God says from the greatest to the least. It tells you who's most important, doesn't it? I, just little things like that. I just noticed that. I, I read stuff and I'm like, man, I love the way God words things. He's so much better at it than I am. He says from the greatest to the least. The least is most important. He's like, the greatest, yeah, that's wonderful. And they, and they repented too. From the greatest down to the least. The least being the most important. They, put on, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king, this would be considered by our standards the greatest. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off all his royal robes. He, he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink or anything at all. People and animals alike must wear gar garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways. Turn! Must turn! Must turn, repent from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. What's the deal with the ashes and, and the burlap and, and all that, Kenny? It's mourning. That's what it says, mourning. It, it's, it, it's, you understand. Let me, let, me, let me tell you something about repentance here. Um, you, you know how, you, like I told you about, like if you're on this path towards the flesh, towards you, and you're wandering all about, and you're, you're looking for anything and everything to give you satisfaction, and you're, you're trying to find that somewhere, and we call that lost, right? Well, we call that, you know, pursuing the flesh, right? Pursuing the, the things that I want, pursuing the flesh is what the Bible calls it. Well, do you realize that in order for you to turn this way, and turn towards God that something has to die, that the flesh has to die. That the flesh, you have to say, enough is enough. It's got to die. It's got to stop right here. It's got to be so distant from me. This, this desires that I used to have, it's got to be so distant to me that it looks like it died. That it, it no longer exists. I am dead to the old way that I was. Now I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. So what happens at a death? What happens at a burial? There is mourning that goes along with that. There is sadness. There's like, I, 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 I'm overjoyed with the fact that there is a, a new life with me, but, but there is a sadness almost that, 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 man, look at where I was, that I was in the midst of death, that I was walking in the path of death, and, and that is gone. And when you feel that burden of the death sentence lifted off of you, when, when, when you say, God, I want to, to, to bury this. I want it to be dead to me. And you mourn and you weep over it and you say, God, I want your path and your desires in my heart. And I want to, I want to follow you. I want to be a Christ follower. 
that process, that process of seeing where you are and the path that you are on is sad. There is mourning. There is weeping. When you see people crying over their sin and, and falling down at an altar and saying, God, I need you to save me. I need you to, to help me turn. There, there, there's a mourning that happens when you see the path that you were on. You see that, that path of death that you were walking down. And, and when there's a turning, yes, there is a freedom there. And there is a, a lifting up and a burden that is taken off of your shoulders. But, but there is sadness associated with that turning and, and, and that, that mourning. And here, that's exactly what you see in the people of Nineveh. The king, the king experiences it. He experiences God's grace, and he's like, we've got to turn. And we're going to weep, and we're going to mourn, and we're going to ask God to show us grace. We know what we deserve. We, we deserve hell. We deserve Sheol. We deserve to be in the belly of a fish, just like Jonah was. We deserve that, and we see the place that we're in, so we're going to mourn over that, and we're going to turn towards God. And maybe, just maybe, he'll have grace on us, and he'll show us mercy that we don't deserve. When you recognize where you are, man, it is sadness. And then you turn because of the grace that God has offered. When God, verse 10, Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw, when God saw, when God saw you in the awful, terrible sin that you're in, when, when, when he saw you weeping and mourning over your sin in the place that you were at, when God saw, when God saw you get to the end of yourself and say, I can't do it my way anymore, when God saw that you had had enough of you, when God saw, when God saw you say, God, I want to turn towards you, turn away from myself, when God saw. When, when God saw, when God saw you say, I want Jesus Christ to have prominence in my life. I want him to be number one in my life, and I no longer want to indulge in my selfish desires. I want to indulge in the things that God has to offer me. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened grace. You're like, God changed his mind? God changed, that's what grace is. That's what grace is. You realize that we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve hell. We deserve to be separated to, from God for all of eternity because of the sin that's in our lives, because of the, the things that we do that are completely against God. As we walk in the flesh, we are walking against God. Even if we give him a glance back every once in a while, we're still against God. We can't please God. We can't honor God. It's because we're not walking with God towards God. And God's continually calling out, telling you, there's grace available. There, there, there's grace and power available for you. There's mercy available to you. And here this man, this Jonah, you know what he had experienced in order to be able to preach repentance? He had experienced grace and he said, I know that you think that you're headed on the right path, but you're headed on the wrong path. You're headed on a path of destruction. It's coming. It's imminent. It's right here. It's right now. I'm telling you, I was in the fish. I know what it's like, man. Turn towards God. He's the answer. He's the redeemer. He's the one that has that grace that you desperately need. He's the one. Only him. He's the only place you'll find satisfaction. You will not find it in yourself, continuing on the path that you're on. What about us in our lives? 
What about us? A few things, just a couple things, and then we'll let you respond to God however God's convicted your heart. He's a God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances where he doesn't give up. He continues to pursue us, continues to cry out to us if we'll tune into his voice and listen to him. Repentance involves a turning away from self and a turning towards God. Even if you take a few steps back every once in a while, there is still a pattern in your life, and you know what it is. When you lay down at night and you think about your life, it's either towards the flesh and towards the things that you're trying to fill up your life with to try to get some sort of satisfaction, some sort of peace, or it's towards God, and you know that God is the only source of peace and satisfaction in your life. You're on one of two paths. You're not in the middle. You're not somewhere in limbo. You're on one or two paths, and when you lay down at night, you know what path you're on. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. God changes his mind. God changes his mind. He goes, they deserve wrath. They deserve punishment. They deserve hell. They deserve Sheol. But I'm here. And they can have life. And they can have life everlasting with me. But they have to turn. They have to turn. If you feel like God's calling you to something, and you feel like you're ill-equipped to do what God's calling you to do, all I can say to that is exactly, exactly. This man, Jonah, was equipped to preach repentance because he had just experienced repentance in God's grace. And he was perfect for the job. Perfect for the job. What about you in your life? Do you feel like God's calling you to something, but you've been afraid? You've been terrified? You say, I'm not, not qualified. I'm not holy enough. I'm not equipped. I don't know enough scripture. I haven't memorized enough Bible verses. This man preached one sentence in the whole town. It took three days to walk across. They repented and turned back towards God. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Lord, for the power of Jonah's testimony and the fact that he was so ill-equipped. God, in his own mind, he thought that he didn't have what it took. But God, you know God, that's why you took him into the belly of the fish to show him that you can save him and rescue him. And God, because of that time where he repented and turned towards you, God, he was perfectly equipped for the task before him. It was an almost insurmountable task considering the people that were there and the size of the city. But God, it is not Jonah's message. It is your message. God, this is your message to these people here today that, God, they may be perfectly equipped for whatever it is that you're calling them to. And if it's somebody here that's called to repentance, I pray that they would repent. God, they know where their life is. They know what path they're on. God, I pray that they would just turn. God, thank you for being a God who continues to cry out to us, to continue to show us your way and your path, and, God, that we can be used for your glory. I just pray that your people would respond however you've convicted their hearts, whatever you've shown them today, that, God, that they would respond to that. They, they would simply tune into your voice right now. God, however you speak to them, God, you speak, and you receive glory for it all. God, we so desperately need you and your power and your strength because we don't have the strength to stand on our own. God, may we mourn and may we weep over the sin that is in our lives. And God, may we turn towards you. And may you receive glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone please stand?